It is a good Saturday to be tuned into Arts Underground because we have Ogre with us today. Hey, Ogre. Hey, you know. We are continuing our series spotlighting the Tennessee Valley's wonderfully talented comedians, Funny You Should Ask. So the first question, Ogre, we're going to ask is, where did you grow up and how'd you get to Huntsville? I grew up in Hartsville, Alabama, which is about oh, 30 minutes south of here down I-65. In Hartsville? Okay. In Hartsville. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took I-65 north and that's how I got to Huntsville. <laughs> How long you been in Huntsville? I still live in Hartzell. You still live in Hartzell? Yeah. I, okay. I live maybe a mile and a half from the house I came home from the hospital to. Ogre, your real name is Jerry. How did you get the name Ogre? You have to you have to indulge. Well, it's, kind of, it's not as uh, interesting as it sounds. Back in the day when that Tekken game first came out, that's the character I always played was Ogre. Me and my goofy friends, it just kind of stuck. Nothing to do with Shrek. No, it's like nothing, about nothing to do with Shrek. Yeah, right. It doesn't. It doesn't help that I'm six and a half foot tall and fat. But <laughs> so you're naturally funny. That's apparent. How did you get into comedy? How did you start doing stand up? About nine years ago, I got hurt at work. That's when I lost most of my eyesight and stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, just boredom. I guess really, to be honest, they did a uh, the first time I ever did it was an open mic at Stand Up Live. And it's just, you know, a, a bucket situation. They pull your name out of a bucket and you get pulled up, you pulled up. No, you don't. But I went up and did three minutes and wound up just eating it mm-hmm. horribly. And a lot of people, they, they first do stand up. They're like, oh, man, that was so fun. I can't wait to do it again. And, and after I was done, all I could think was, I've got to do it again so I can do better than that. That was trash, you know. Mm-hmm. That, I felt like that was a poor representation of what I could have done. You felt like you could do better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that influenced by anybody else, or you just it was intrinsic that you wanted to go back and try again? Ooh, she's in big words, folks. Uh, <laughs> SAT, $5 words. Oh, snap. I got that Dollar General vocabulary. You got to slow down just a little bit. <laughs> I grew up like you're either at school mm-hmm. or get a job. So after I got to a certain age, I got a job, and it just— it, What'd you get into? <laughs> Woodrill plant of all things they're in Hartzell you know it's okay. all very small town situation but how it was like you, a, how did you lose your eyesight uh I got into doing sheet metal work probably 15 years ago mm-hmm. and uh I got a job with this company we had a contract with Walmart and Sam's Club to change out like their dishwashing machines their bread ovens and stuff and uh we were changing out an 1800 pound dishwashing machine Mm-hmm. And it uh, like sits down to a two foot deep pit, but it wound up sliding off what it was on, mm-hmm. and then shoving the person that was with me into me, and then I hit the back of my head on one of those flat cart handles, mm-hmm. and it wound up knocking both my retinas loose. Oh jeez! And then I had two surgeries on the left one, and then one on the right one. The left one just went completely blind, mm-hmm. and I got about ten percent vision in the right one, mm-hmm. and colorblind. Yeah, <laughs> just always fun. You incorporate that in your stand up. Oh, yeah. about your your vision loss and i wonder is that just to sort of address the white elephant in the room or why, why do you incorporate that in your your stand-up well i mean it's just uh there's not many people that are talking about it unless they're just lying i mean mm-hmm. it's kind of a a singularity thing that i have but you don't and, make it like like a stick like gimmicky oh yeah yeah like i don't want to be a downer yeah. about it either i mean there, it could always be worse you could be laid up in a hospital peeing blood that's no fun <laughs> That's I've been so there. True. I've been there also, kids. Don't do that. <laughs> but it's just I don't know. It's just a, a perspective thing, I guess. It's just 
most bits or stories or jokes or whatever, there's always some truth to them. So it's just, I don't know, just part of a life experience that I tried to, I mean, you can either laugh about it or cry about it, and I ain't got time. Yeah. How would you say your jokes have changed since you you first started out? Well, How hopefully they they've gotten funny. <laughs> <laughs> Funnier. Funny, oh, funny, oh, yeah, just funny. Yeah. Trust me, funny. Okay. Just, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, really. I mean, how do you keep it fresh? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. You figure it out. You let me know. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a couple bits that like people are like, oh, are you gonna do this bit tonight? And I'm like, oh man, I don't want to, but I will. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know. So you have like certain jokes that people know you for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do a bit about my wife. Going to Zumba class. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but I don't think I have. It's it's one of my go tos. If I'm ever doing a show that's like ten to fifteen minutes, or you know anything longer than that, I have to actively think in my head, okay, don't do that bit. But like it, it does pretty good every time. Mm-hmm. But it's just I'm so sick of telling it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like asking Burt Kreischer to tell the machine story. Not that I'm as good as Burt Kreischer. Mm-hmm. Don't I, the hate comments already. <laughs> I'm just saying, comparatively, I don't. He don't want to tell that joke, nor do I. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like musicians; like there are songs that sort of fizzle out, and they don't want to play them anymore. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. Okay, so when you are writing out a set, like, and you try it out at open mics and stuff like that, can you talk about the importance of audience feedback in your life? Well. Depending on your audience, mm-hmm. I mean, they always say there's no such thing as a bad audience, and that's okay. true and it's not true. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if, uh, like, say we're at an open mic and it's just comedians, yeah, the comedians don't care about what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The comedians want to be called up, do their time, and then they want to get off stage and talk about how good everybody else thinks they did. They don't want to, they're not listening to you. Mm-hmm. So if it's, if you can look up and have maybe five people that aren't comedians listen to you, if you hear them laugh, like obviously I don't see people laughing and you know, they're far enough away from me, but like if I can hear people laughing at mm-hmm. something I'm trying new, I know that's something I need, to, I need to focus in on and try to, you know, hone it a little bit. What's your process like when you write jokes? Yeah, most of the time I, I, I think of dumb stuff all the time. I can't help it. <laughs> but like, uh, I'll I'll text message myself because okay. like on my phone I've got the the three point two five reading glasses. I can mm-hmm. I can I got the font as big as it'll go on my phone. I can see that, so I'll text message myself a premise, mm-hmm. and then I'll go back and like write it in my notebook or whatever. And then I'll try it out on stage like at an open mic, and then record myself because you know reading it's a pain in the butt a lot of the yeah. times. But uh. I'll just like go back and listen to it a bunch of times and think, oh, I could change this here, I could change this here, you know, stuff like that. Now, Huntsville is a smart city full of engineers and stuff like that, and you get that in your audiences. <laughs> but the comedians are smart, too. And, and if you're really funny, I think that's a sign of intelligence, right? And I wonder what your thoughts on that sort of sentiment is as a comedian. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think about that? Uh, Do you tend to disagree or agree? Or I mean, I feel like you've got to have some common sense and self-awareness. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. have to necessarily be book smart, but okay. you definitely have to, you know, be able to read a room. And that I imagine that takes intelligence. So, yeah, I'll green light that. <laughs> You'll green light that. <laughs> um, the shows here in Huntsville, a lot of them are free or cost maybe like 
five dollars or something. They're very accessible oh, yeah. to to people to come out. What does it mean to you as a comedian? from your perspective, when somebody comes out to support local comedy, what are the benefits to you? Well, it's just like COVID and everybody so scared to wipe their nose in front of anybody and, you Mm. know, panic attack when they cough. There's so much stress nowadays for no good reason. I mean, I'm not saying I'm an anti-vaxxer, calm down comments. I mean, it's just, it's just nice to be able to know that people are out of their house and getting together and and having fun and being able to just let their guard down, you know, Mm -hmm. and just, you know, enjoy an evening of people telling dick and fart jokes man <laughs> how does it feel when you when you perform at somewhere like shenanigans or stand up live like you did last night yeah what we're recording this on a on a thursday how does it feel to see like a full audience you know to see a lot of people out there who've come to see you who've come to see local comedy uh mm-hmm. it feels wonderful <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i would say i'd never know if it's not a well-lit room i have i could be in there by myself i have no okay. idea okay <laughs> Well, I mean, as long as they're laughing hear, back, yeah, the yeah, laughs yeah. <laughs> we give it away. I can tell if there's three people laughing or fifty people laughing. So, right. Yeah, it, it 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 feels good. I mean, it's not depressing. If that's what you mean. <laughs> 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 I mean, the more people that show up, the more apt you are to be paid. So that's cool. Right. That brings something else up with comedians, especially. I've noticed mental health is a real thing to to try and rein in a lot of the time and do you do you personally deal with that or you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to <laughs> but it i i find it to be like a common thing i mean yeah it affects everybody i would imagine right, i mean right. uh, it actually is it's it's nice to get up there every once in a while if something's bothering you mm-hmm. and you know that it's just an open mic and like it's just com- like those nights that it is just comedians mm-hmm. That's the perfect time to blow off steam. Like a good antidote. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or stress. Yeah, Yeah. something's been bothering you for a while, and you just just get up there and just. Nobody says you have to be funny. I mean, it's a free open mic, and it's nothing but comedians. They get what they pay for. Like somebody going up there with a notepad and saying, "This is what happened in my week." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of a venting session. Yeah, I mean, you can't do that every week because (laughs) all the comedians would be like, "Hey, we're not your journal," but yeah, you know what I mean. Where's your favorite place to perform? Do you like uh, big audiences or, or some more small, intimate sort of venues? Probably my favorite place to be is Shenanigans. Okay. And that's on Lehman Ferry. Yes, yeah, 2650 Lehman Ferry Suite A. <laughs> Shout out Kimberly Wilson and Jessica Cotton. He's got it memorized. They're my homies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the... Uh, they booked me on my first show back when it was uh, they were in Somerville at the Somerville Playhouse before right. they moved and opened Shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a uh, a comedy reflux show they do where like the comedians go up, they like three or four comedians, and they do five minutes of stand up, and then an improv group will mime out keynotes about what they were doing. That is a funny show. Yeah, <laughs> that, I've done it probably three times now, four times over the last four years, and it's it's a it's a good time. When you are up there, what's it like when you kill? Like, how would you describe that feeling? Oh, man. It's like uh, shooting a three-point and nothing but net or something like that. You know, it's like me being blind walking across the house and not tripping over something. <laughs> it's just, you know you've done something good, you know? <laughs> and then, I, of course, have to ask the opposite. Oh, you my know? God. <laughs> Is it worse than death, or oh, how man. would you describe it? It's like my 16-year-old took his shoes off in the middle of my bedroom doorway. It's just <laughs> walk out without a care in the world and eat it. <laughs> so you do have kids? Oh, yeah, so I've got three kids. How, what do they think about your, your comedy? Do they uh, come out to your shows often? My middle son does, Moose. Mm-hmm. He loves them. 
Moose. Moose. That's a cool name. Yeah, he. I don't know why I call him that. He's six foot one and three hundred twenty pounds. Okay. He's earned it. Yeah, he's moose. Moose and ogre. Yep. Best buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna start a sitcom. We haven't pitched it yet. It's gonna be good stuff. Do you think that you've passed the funny gene on? to your kids oh my god my daughter is hilarious yeah and she don't even mean to be but she's just like her <laughs> little so? her little side comments geez a pete like you know how you see like uh the moms dropping their kids off at school wearing yeah. pajamas no bras and their mm-hmm. flip-flops or crocs or something like that yeah fiona like cut her eyes at me and she'd be like this chick you know like <laughs> just, just little, little stuff that like a 10 year old shouldn't be talking about but she's all like we get it dad yeah <laughs> What sort of role did comedy play in your life growing up? Did you did you have a lot of albums that you listened to, or were your parents just uh, innately really funny? Or yeah, I mean, my parents were pretty funny in their own way. Okay, like mom was the corny joke funny, mm-hmm. and dad was the dirty joke around the water cooler at work kind of funny. So I mean, like I always like dad was always goofing around and stuff like that. You know, yeah. he was. It's, Silly parents. It's genetic, I guess. <laughs> so it was passed down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of corny jokes, what's your favorite corny joke? My sister. God love her. Are you ready for this dumb joke? I'm going to tell you the whole joke. You're probably going to have to edit it out because it's, sure. it's not dirty. It's just dumb. <laughs> I'm all for dumb jokes. All right. Let's do it. Uh, now keep in mind, it took my sister almost three months to tell me this joke because <laughs> she would start laughing so hard. Okay. I would just make her stop telling me until she could calm down. A string walks into a bar, says, bartender, give me a beer. And the bartender says, I'm not giving you a beer. You're a piece of string. Get out of here. So the poor little string goes out. He's pacing up and down in the the hallways. And then this woman walks by and he's like, excuse me, ma'am, I hate to bother you. Will you please pick me up and fray my ends? (laughs) You see where I'm going already? Kind of. Okay. So she's like, all right, whatever. So she picks him up and frays both of his ends and sets him down. He's all proud of himself. He's pacing around. Then a guy walks by and says, excuse me, sir, would you mind tying me into a knot? He goes, okay, I don't want to hurt you. He goes, oh, it's fine. It won't hurt me at all. Mm -hmm. So he picks him up and ties him into a knot and sets him down. So the little piece of string walks back into the bar with his chest bowed out. Mm -hmm. He goes, bartender, give me a beer. He says, aren't you that same piece of string I kicked out five minutes ago? He says, nope, I'm afraid not. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing this hard, but I'm I I'm so am. disappointed that you're laughing this hard. <laughs> you and my sister should hang out. <laughs> She'd make you pee yourself. <laughs> I do that to myself anyway. Well, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> so... Who would you say makes you laugh the most in your life, Ogre? Probably Fiona, my daughter. Mm-hmm. She cracks me up a good bit. With the side eye. Two more questions. So I want to know, do you have a hidden talent or something that you're weirdly interested in that nobody knows about? Or not very many people know about? Well, if I told you on a radio show, <laughs> it wouldn't be a hidden talent or a hidden interest anymore. All right, fair enough. I don't, do, I, do I have a hidden talent that you know of, Brittany? I need you to speak. I can't see you. <laughs> oh, he's thinking, so it'll be a minute. Come on. I get the best back rubs ever, Brittany yep. says. All right. And how much do they cost? Well, they're free. I mean, I don't, I don't rub on random people, so I'm mean, only. I do it to my friends and loved ones. I don't. 
I'm you're saying you don't you don't want people to walk up to you after a yeah. show and say, "Hey, you did a great yeah. set. Give me a back rub. I got to see if this is true." I've never I've never once been at the Piggly Wiggly <laughs> or the Kroger. I'm like, "Excuse the me, sir. Kroger. You look very tense. Let right? me let me rub on your shoulder." <laughs> I just that don't happen. I'm good. I'll take the zero. <laughs> fair yeah that's fair (laughs) well thank you for being here today ogre i appreciate you taking the time to come over here and make me almost be myself um do you have any final thoughts or or shows to plug before we go uh the 11th of march i'm doing homegrown comedy at uh straight to l speakeasy hosted by matthew tate hosted by matthew Mm -hmm. tate okay i just i need you to talk about your comedian friends here in Huntsville, like who who do you like to hang out with, and who sort trying of trying to get me canceled, huh? No, nope, I'm trying I'm trying to I'm trying to understand who here in Huntsville, the comedians here in Huntsville, who influence you, and or like just that you like to hang out with, that you get along with, what in the green room or in the whatever. Green room. <laughs> My buddy Christy Montgomery, uh, she picks on me and tells me that because like, I can't see to drive, obviously, but she tells me I have a harem of women comedians that take me places, which mm-hmm. is kind of true. I mean, to think about it, I mean, they're all platonic, obviously, because I'm married. And, yeah. And I'm ugly, like I have a chance to begin <laughs> with. I mean, let's be honest. Like my friend Brittany Terry, she's sitting over here trying to be quiet now. <laughs> but she drove me up here, and we're going to hang out and go to the open mic tonight. I love spending time with Kimberly Wilson, Raina Cahill. Uh, Christy Montgomery, Morgan Marenzo. What does it mean to you to have that sort of camaraderie? Oh, it's just us girls hanging out. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you know, to to actually get along with your peers, yeah, it's, you know? it's it's a cool feeling. Like I don't have anybody that if I was sitting in a green room and they walk into the green room, I would get up and leave. Mm-hmm. It's the Huntsville comedians are all like goofy siblings or something if that makes sense like if anybody has a disagreement with somebody else then they're, they're not going to be complete buttholes about it they just usually just bicker amongst themselves and then sort it out and then it, it's over with it's a pretty tight-knit little group is there anything else that you would be doing if if you didn't do comedy <sighs> staring at the walls of the house right the blurry blurry walls <laughs> the infinite blurry <laughs> yeah walls. it's just <laughs> off into the nothingness I listen to a lot of audiobooks <laughs> For real, like I have like 500 on Audible. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you an avid reader? Oh, not anymore. But I listen to a lot of well, books. Well, that's poor, <laughs> I'm poor an choice avid, words. I'm an avid listener. Avid listener of books. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Keith C. This is like an NPR, right? Yeah. Kind of stylish thing. Yeah. Keith C. Blackmore is a author buddy of mine. You guys should check him out on Audible. What does he, he write? Pretty sweet, like a zombie apocalyptic series. Mm-hmm. called the mountain man uh he's written a trilogy so far called breeds it's a werewolf type thing it's pretty awesome okay and then he's got like a 131 days series that's like uh like gladiator kind of stuff it's like set back in like the greco-roman times but it's from the perspective of a fighter so mm-hmm. it's, it's it's pretty gritty it's pretty cool well thanks for the wreck ogre <laughs> <laughs> it was good to have you on the show today thanks for for stepping in absolutely yeah, and Ogre has selected a few songs for us to listen to, so we're going to let the needle drop right now.